welcome to the next episode cheers <laughs> of blank over bruce this is ashley coming Hi, to you ash sal <laughs> you're all quiet <laughs> i know <laughs> who am i thanks for joining us for this very special episode no it's been a while but we have a special surprise for you this episode so stick around yeah we've got two bam 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 two great spots here in town that we had the pleasure of doing interviews with um easy tiger and pint house pizza we kind of took it a little bit of a different direction here um of course easy tiger doesn't brew their own beer but they make their own motherfucking bread and their bakery is amazing and that sausage yes and they're just a great place to catch a beer yeah i mean they have new release parties all the time and a lot of local brewers go there to debut their beers yeah. so um we thought it was really special that they sat down with us absolutely and then yeah. pint house of course is brewing their own beer mm-hmm. the, that electric badass. jellyfish oh, though god damn it that Man. beer gets me in trouble every fucking time i was just there on thursday hanging out having some beers <sighs> it's good and it's at the alamo draft house too it's yeah you can't get away from it it's everywhere you're like look at this jellyfish get over here drink you up yeah and not to mention the great pizza pies so um both really awesome interviews, so stick around for that. How's it going, Sal? What you got over there in that cup? Um, well, I started off with two hard seltzers, like mm-hmm. I mixed two flavors, like a lemon lime and a grapefruit. Oh snap! I know. Refreshing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Over ice, you're like chug, 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 chug. chug, chug. chug. This is this is water, right? Yeah, it's flavored malt liquor. Getting hydrated. <laughs> yeah, a little is malty. It? Sure. Um, and then now I've got uh, this whispering angel. Whispering angel. I know. It's a 2016 rosé. It's light. It's hot outside, mm-hmm. so I can't do anything super heavy. Yeah. Right now, which is crazy because last weekend for the fourth, I was like, drink it. Well, almost a. <laughs> whole fucking gallon of crown royal reserve it's america's birthday <laughs> you gotta do it either that or at least she wasn't fucking bud lights nope no bud <laughs> light anymore no mass <laughs> every once in a while i'll have one but. yeah have you seen that new um lone star 24 7 beer with two point something no girl tell me more what's happening with it's that? uh called lone star 24 7 okay and it has I think in the commercial, it talks about how you're able to drink it all day, yada, yada, yada. Texas is great. Yes. And then, well, Lone Star itself is pretty watery. I mean, it's good. It gives me a headache. I can't drink Lone Star. I know. Uh, The the first time I had it, I was like, oh, I love this. Mm -mm. And I got drunk off of it. And then the next day, I was like, yeah, my head is going to explode. I can't do it. 2.1% for this 24-7. 68 calories. Why are you even drinking? Like, if that's I mean, what you're... Mike, what <laughs> is... What's the ABV and the calorie count for a Michelob Ultra? Mm. I, just threw my mouth. <laughs> I don't oh get how gosh. people drink that either. Michelob Ultra is 4.2% 95 calories. Oh, 4.2. Okay. 4.2, that's not bad. That's what those hard seltzers are. Okay. 4.5. 4. That's what a lot of, like... 
domestic brew like beers yeah, are 4.5 yeah. Yeah. yeah um we had wine night last night uh my wine won by, by the, the way, way. <laughs> just and that's a big deal in this crew that is a big yeah. fucking deal yes. i'm so proud of myself i'm proud of you too yeah yeah it was all super excited i was like how many garbanzo beans are in my cup for because that's how we judge <laughs> i was in the lead number one we took that trophy home yes I'm going to steal it. Mm-mm, girl, you have to put your name on it, then you have to give it back to him. It's like, you don't get to keep, you what? don't get to keep them. It's, you have to give it back. What? Give it back to the pot. Um, you can't even keep it for like, until the next well, one? Well, until they tell me I have to give it back. <laughs> <laughs> Nadia will be like. Oh, is it a gold, that golden the gold, bottle? The gold girl, wine bottle? Here, keep that trophy. Yeah, here, I'll show you a picture of Jamie like, holding it. I lost it. it. <laughs> yeah, Nadia will be like, God damn it, give me that bottle back. Um, let's see. <laughs> we'll post that this picture beautiful. on, uh, the that website. gorgeous. Yo, yeah. Um, we were so proud. And then there's Nadia asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was such a good time. Um, but uh, our friend Big had brought over a natty light with pink lemonade flavoring, and I see your face, and I see where you're going with it. But I'm I'm thinking I might be surprised. Um, you're about to tell me it was. Oh, it was fucking delicious. <laughs> oh, I gross. am not a natty light drinker. I drank that when I was like 16, 17 years old. Yes, I did. I've had um, one sip. And so this is the can right here. And again, we'll post this one on the website. Oh, it's too. so cute. I know. Little flamingos. What on the it. fuck? <laughs> Isn't it great? Natty Light is making drinks for fucking hipsters. Let me tell you. 16 ounces, too. Well, it sucked big in. So clearly. <laughs> and it was really good. I thought you meant he mixed it. No. That shit comes in a can. To make like a shandy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was like, that's okay, maybe. That's their take on a shandy. Oh, gosh. And he brought it, and it was fucking delicious. And I was like, oh, because it was late in the night. We had mm-hmm. drank copious amounts of wine. Yeah, and wine gets you. I'm like, you, know, you have to just keep drinking at I that point. I need something else. I can't. Right? And then I looked at Big, and I was like, where's that other Natty Light you brought over here? <laughs> And he was like, it's in the cooler. Go get it. So I go and grab it, open it. I was surprisingly impressed. Like, not impressed because it's fucking Natty Light with pink. What did it taste like, though? Did it taste like a uh, beer and, like, what I'm thinking? Like yeah, it tastes like a fucking strawberry shandy. Yeah, like, if okay. you mixed a beer and then you flavored it. Like, another good one that is mixed is Pearl Snap mm. and Lemonade. Girl, fucking I'll send your ass over the edge. I like a good mixed drink with a beer. The Little Darlin Bar in South Austin, they are good. They have a really good shandy that they make. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's where I tasted the Pearl Snap and Lemonade. Mm. And I was like, oh, not not good. But Matt at Easy Tiger, um, he makes beer cocktails. Yeah. So I was like. I know. The only beer cocktail that I think, besides the shandy... Is a michelada. Mm, mm-hmm. But other than oh, that, man. I really don't know like too many 
I don't either. And they all looked really good. I mean, I wish we could have tried them all, but maybe we will we'll go, go back. back. <laughs> I mean, of course we'll, we'll go, go back. back. But you yeah. Know. Uh, okay, so coming up first, um, we have the interview from Easy Tiger Matt, who is head of marketing over there and actually is their director over the beverages. Um, sat down with us and at their location over at the link, he was. Gracious enough to sit down with us and go over um, how they pick their beers, how they pair them with the menus on the uh, the items on the menu, um, and it was a lot of fun. So enjoy that. Hi guys, this is Sal. I'm here with Ashley and Matt. We're here at Easy Tiger at Link Village. Um, Very exciting. Yes, and it is really happy cool. to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so Matt, we're just going to dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about you and your staff here. How long you guys have been open at Link? Um, what's going on here? So my name is Matt Russell. I'm the beverage and programming director for all of our Easy Tigers here in Austin. Um, we've been open at this location since December. Um, it's been really great. This neighborhood is, you know, opened us with welcome arms. Um, the idea behind opening this was to expand our bakery operations, but as well as reach a new and different crowd in Austin. Um, we've got a great staff, and everybody that works here really helps with our culture of, you know, promoting beer and bread and the mm -hmm. syn synergy that exists amongst those two products. Yeah, two of my favorite things of all time. Oh, ever. And butter. And butter. <laughs> And you guys got the baguette with the butter. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for, if you don't know Easy Tiger, like, I don't know where you've been, but tell us a little bit about Easy Tiger, where the idea came from, the founders. So Easy Tiger started about eight years ago, mm -hmm. and we were looking for a place to do a commercial bakery here in town. And once we found our original location on 6th Street, we saw that... There was a great space for a bakery upstairs, but there was an unused downstairs area, and they kind of had the idea in their back pocket to do a beer garden as well. And so the more the ownership thought about it, it just made a lot of sense to have beer and bread together. Aside from their primary ingredient of yeast, they also have a ton of care that goes into both of those products, and we wanted to emphasize that through everything we do, with not only beer and bread, but also all the meats we make in-house and everything that's handcrafted that we deliver to our guests every day. So good. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys have the best ping pong tables at the downtown location. Just, it's a great environment down there. It's one of my favorite places to not only go personally, but new people that, friends that are coming into town, definitely take them. Yeah, that was one of the first places. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about you and what you did before you came to Easy so I grew up in Colorado, uh, kind of a craft beer haven, and so through college I got a really good education on craft beer, um, aside from my <laughs> normal studies. I moved down to Austin in about 2012 and was working for the restaurant group that opened Easy Tiger, um, and I was really drawn to the hospitality of that group and kind of what we do for casual dining, but still bring guests a really, really good experience. Um, and then I came over to Easy Tiger about four years ago, um, kind of due to my knowledge and craft beer and my passion for it. And that's really cultivated into something bigger for me that I really enjoy working with and is very rewarding. Um, so 
curating the beverage program is why I came over, but I really stayed because of the culture and the opportunity that Easy Tiger has allowed for me. Have you brewed yourself? Um, so I always stay away from home brewing because I have such high standards for beer that I don't think I would drink my own beer. But this Easy Tiger has given me the opportunity to partner with local breweries and kind of bring my ideas to life. Um, with a lot of the collaborations, I've brought ideas to a brewer that I can think can execute what I have in mind very well. And kind of through that nature, I've been able to learn about brewing and get my hands dirty a little bit. That's really, that's pretty cool. Can I ask what brewery, what brewer in town you collaborate with, or is it does it run the gamut? Is it just everybody? Do you? So it, it does run the gamut a little bit. Um, we started with Austin Beerworks, mm -hmm. um, and we did an Oktoberfest style beer, which we felt really fit with our concept. Yeah, absolutely. So this will be our sixth year brewing that and we do a big celebration for Oktoberfest in September. This year is going to be the first year we do it at both locations. Oh wow. Um, so it'll be five days of fun. Ooh, um, but since ready. <laughs> I've also partnered with Cellus Brewery, St. Elmo and Real Ale um, and to do some really fun products with that because they understand what we're trying to do as a business and That's really cool. they are really fun and easy to work with. Um, so let's talk about the beers. How do you go about selecting? Do people kind of pitch beers to you, send you free stuff, or? I do get a lot of opportunity <laughs> yeah. to taste all of the beers. Um, the way I like to think about our beverage program is relying on breweries over beers. Um, you know, a brewery that I know can deliver a very consistent and great product, um, I'm going to trust all of their new releases that come out. And so I take a national perspective of beer. Um, there's a ton of breweries in America right now. And so the ones that have been around doing it the longest have the most resources to make a great and consistent product. I try and couple that with what's happening in the local Austin scene. Um, we are growing so fast and the brew scene here has become worth visiting Austin as a beer destination yeah. and I want to make sure I'm a part of that and represent the local breweries Absolutely. that I think really are going to do big things for our community. That's great. Um, I was Last weekend I was hanging out with some friends and we were at Skull Mechanics down south and two guys walked in from Washington DC that were literally here just for beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard yeah. Anybody say, I mean, normally it's like barbecue or it's ACL mm -hmm. or it's UT folk, you know, it's something other than I want to tour all the craft breweries that you oh. have. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> One beer travel has mm -hmm. kind of become a big thing in the industry, mm -hmm. yeah. and um, I know that when I go to a city with a lot of breweries, I'll bring an empty suitcase so I can just oh, yeah. bring some beer back with my friends and you know kind of share the community of brewing that America has become so popular for. One thing I have noticed about Easy Tiger and your selection is that you guys are very loyal to local breweries, but you also, like you mentioned, the internet or the national breweries. Like, I didn't find out about Brooklyn Brewery until I came to like an event that you guys had on Sixth Street. So I feel like it's a good place to kind of try beers from 
other states, other craft brewers. Um, it's like if you want to look for something and taste it before you buy a whole six pack, you come yeah. to Easy Tire. It's cool. Habit. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's bag. one of the best advantages of living in Texas because we're located so centrally and we have such mm-hmm. a large population that most breweries ship their beer here. Um, so we really have access to beers from all across the country because we're centrally located, which allows me to really explore some of the bigger breweries, but also some of the smaller, lesser known breweries that kind of the craft beer people come out for. So what are your relationships with like the local brewers? Is it um, really easy to kind of get in the scene and find out what's new and up and coming? Yeah, you know, I've been working with a lot of the local breweries for about four years and help get some of these breweries off the ground and throw in launch parties and collaboration parties with them. And so I find that everybody in the beer community in Austin has been really easy to work mm-hmm. with and really excited about collaborating with us, knowing yeah. the care that we put into our own products we're producing and recognizing that they're putting that same care and technique into the product they're producing. And so it's always been really easy to partner with great local breweries and brewers. That's cool. And you mentioned earlier making beer cocktails. Let's elaborate on that because I may partake in one when we're done with this interview. So my favorite part about beer cocktails is you're working with a product that already has such a wide flavor profile that can you can really pick and choose what you're adding to that flavor profile to make it a more well-rounded drink. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is going to be a shandy. You oh, know, yes, and we're all man. Oh, very yeah. familiar with the shandy. <laughs> yep. You know, it's lemonade and beer. And it's yeah. hard to beat that on a hot summer day in Austin. But I also like to play around with stouts and IPAs because of the sweetness and the bitterness that those both provide. Um, so adding beer and liquor together, there's you know something to be said about a new avenue of cocktail making that Absolutely. I think a lot of the scene is yet to explore. What's it like getting something like that on the menu? Do you kind of just like sit around and drink until it kind of make like this tastes good and let's do this or you know I really try and make it fun for the guests yeah. um, a lot of times when I work on cocktails <laughs> I'll have a couple great people sitting at the bar and I really like to let them try things and see how well they respond to it and get the yeah, whole staff cool. involved and then I can really start to dial in what people are responding well to Um, so you've been here for a while now in the brew scene. Tell us a little bit about your perspective on how much it's changed since you guys don't brew beer. You're kind of on the outside looking in, um, and it's grown so much. Just tell us a little bit about your perspective. Um, since I moved to Austin, uh, so many great new breweries have opened, and it's really expanded the range of brewers that want to come to Austin and stay and work here. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of the people that are opening breweries have been trained by some of the best brewers that have been here since the beginning. Um, And so every single new brewery opens up a new opportunity to either make a great hazy IPA or dial in a classic lager that Austin's so well known for. And so it's really put us on the map nationwide to come and visit these brewers and check out all the cool new stuff that people are doing. I have a hard time recommending breweries when people come to town because the list goes on and on and it's like you gotta try all these places so that's why I like having people come to Easy Tiger and try all of our beers and they can pick and choose where they want to go drink next. Now you're experimenting with beer but let's talk about the bakery side of things. Are you guys doing, do you do crazy 
collaborations? Like, do you make a new bread? Is there something new that nobody else can find here in town? Huh? I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, we're always trying to croissant. we're trying to innovate all the time with the bakery yeah. and offer products that our guests love and want to come back for. Um, we've also done some fun stuff with bread in beer. Um, since it has that fermentable sugar, uh-huh. we've gone ahead and just baked a special bread and thrown it in, you know, a malt bill and made a beer out of it. And so it's fun to play around with those types of opportunities. Yeah. And on the reverse end, sometimes we make bread out of beer. Mm-hmm. And oh, so we'll I take see. the beer and um, add that to the bread mix and pizza doughs and other things without our bakery. Yeah. And it really adds to the synergy between the beer garden and the bakery here. Uh, always gets me <laughs> every time. I know. There, I don't think I've ever come here and not gotten a baguette with butter. Like, no, twice. we always get it. <laughs> it's definitely a staple here at Easy Tiger. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned that everything is made in-house. Um, how collaborative is that process? Do they kind of involve the beverage side in the like a food bakery. Um, what's really cool is that we try and use beers in a lot of our products. Um, for instance, our beer cheese is one of the most popular items. We also make an array of mustards with alcohol in them, um, as well as cook some of our sausages right in beer. Um, so I get involved with them as much as possible, but what's also really fun is getting together with the kitchen and doing pairings. And so every time I have some fun new beer coming out, I'll talk to our head baker and he can make some fun pastry or cake item or get with the kitchen and we can do something really fun and cook with the beer and, you know, explore new opportunities that a lot of people don't have the chance to do. Excellent. And besides beer, you also have full well, full bar, wine. Um, I believe, what, two years ago we did the, the rosé rose all day, all day yeah. event you guys had downtown. Yeah. That was really fun. Um, so... Yeah, I like that it's not just a beer garden, but anybody who can want to drink here or eat here is, you know, vegetarian, vegan. I mean, you like run the gamut. Yeah, and I, I try and have something on the menu for everybody, and I feel like people should enjoy the drinks that, you know, they want to enjoy and however they want to enjoy them. So we're always going to be very accommodating, yeah. and you know, if we have some product in house and you got a cool idea, it's always fun to mix up something new and you know oh, see where cool. that takes us. Um, so you've been in this industry for a while now. Do you have any advice for anyone that's looking to kind of get into um, brewing or marketing beverages or working for a restaurant? Or- yeah, I think that um, this industry is really built off of relationships and trust. And um, the better relationships you build and the more breweries you trust, then you're going to be able to source the best products around. Um, and so it's always good to always keep an eye open for every single brewery because a brewer can move or an operations person can move and a brewery that you thought wasn't making the best product can all of a sudden become great and so it's always good to keep your eye on everybody in the industry and see what they're doing and you know have open arms when they come in and say hey try this new beer i'm working on um and so i always try and do as much as I can for the local brew scene in that way, as well as national breweries that are trying to get into Texas and make a name for themselves oh, here. Yeah, right so um, this location was open in December. You guys got the 365 at Whole Foods. 
Um, are you planning on opening any more locations around Texas? Or um, we might have a few things in the works. Yeah. Um, you know, we would like to have a Dallas, Houston, San Antonio location. Um, and we really want to emphasize our bakery and our bread here because that's what makes us so great and right. so different. And so it's important for us to be able to supply bread to wherever we go. And so we really want to make sure that we do it the right way and open in the right locations to access new people that are going to come and enjoy Easy Tiger. Um, but we definitely have a few things in the works in the upcoming future. Cool. Any upcoming events or? Um, we do have a really fun collaboration coming out with Odell Brewing. It's called the Tiger Whisperer, which will be launched later in July. Um, you can also catch our movie series downtown. We're doing Wes Anderson this summer. So we're going to show some Wes Anderson films at 6th Street on Sunday nights. Um, and then we're, you know, Oktoberfest is kind yes. of our big deal. We'll Late September, sure. <laughs> we're going to have some great parties here at the link in downtown at 6th Street. Um, but we're always trying to have fun, new and fresh ideas for events and collaborations and parties. And so it's always good just to keep your eye open on our social media and see what's coming up. Great. Excellent. Well, Matt, we really appreciate you. We won't take up too much of your time. We know that you were extremely busy, um, but we really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course, anytime. You guys are always welcome at Easy Tiger. Great, thank you. What a great interview with Matt over at Easy Tiger. Thanks again to him and everyone um, at Easy Tiger for being so awesome. We were offered bread and butter on arrival, um, so they'll always have a special place in my heart. Next, you will hear our interview with Joe over at Pint House Pizza. Enjoy the interview. Well, welcome, welcome. We are here with Joe at one of our favorites, Pint House Pizza. Um, Joe, we'll let you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm the director of brewing, one of the founders and owners here at Pint House Pizza. Um, we're, uh, I guess for those of you who don't know us, we are. We started as a brew pub in Central Austin at Burnett Road and 47th, and uh, we expanded down to South Austin in 2015, and then we moved up to Round Rock this past spring with our third location. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. You guys are kind of a little bit everywhere for everyone who wants to try Central South. No, I was just at Pine House last Thursday at the one at the South location. Just every restaurant and have the same menu. Like, is it all the same pizzas on the board, all the same beers on the board? Do you try to keep it consistent, or does everybody, each one does their own thing for a second? The, the food side is the same at all three locations. Uh, when we first opened up Lamar, we did have a little bit of different of a pizza menu. We tried out, we took some of our favorite off-the-map pies, which is our... Uh, a pizza that we do just for a month and we try out new stuff that's a little bit more unconventional and we had some ones in the first uh, couple years of, of being open at Burnett Road that we really liked and so we made this full-time and we took off some pizzas that weren't as big of a hit with the customers uh, but that's really been the only time that we've had a different menu at any of the locations the food side uh, we try to keep consistency the beer side, however, is very unique to each location. Um, we have some crossover beers, but for the most part, each each uh, brewery kind of runs their own program. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
so um, each location has their own brew um, brewery, I guess, <laughs> in the back. Yeah, so each of our locations is uh, has its own brewery, and then we have our own brewing team at each. I oversee the team, but within that, each location has their own head brewer, so they kind of run the program. Cool. Uh, so we have some crossover beers, like our Electric Jellyfish, which is at all locations. That's our most popular. Our uh, Joe's Magical Pills, Bearded Seal, Old Beluga, some of our staples, we try to make sure are available at all three locations. Uh, but then after that, we kind of leave it up to... The, the brewing team at each location to put some of their own personal touch on it um, within you know what we kind of define as like the pine house style yeah um, and that's you know definitely evolved we've, we've been brewing more and more styles outside of uh, you know where we started and um, and then each location kind of has a unique audience so you know we find that the South Lamar group the, the drinkers down there tend to be a little more um, experimental with what they're wanting to drink so we push the boundaries a little more down there with Belgian and fruit beers uh, the Burnett Road seems to be still very uh, very hop driven um, and uh, yeah, yeah and IKAs and uh, Round Rock's unique in the sense that uh, the the demographic we see up there is is a lot of IPAs and lagers which you know are the two most popular categories in craft uh, but, you know, there I think a lot of people that are getting into craft, they're a little bit younger in the, in the I guess, craft sector. Mm-hmm. And so we still see, like, our Amber Ale does really well up there and some, some styles that, you know, maybe aren't as strong with, like, the Lamar drinker that's looking for kind of the next new exciting riff on something. Yeah, yeah uh, last week I had the, the sour tea. It was really good. I'm just trying to think what the name is. Was that the... Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I drank a lot that day. Sorry, guys. The Saison with the tea? Yes. I thought it was a yeah. sour, though. But maybe. Yeah, it's a, it's a slightly tart. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a rustic Saison with uh, with tea. We, we basically dry hop it, so to speak, with tea. Yeah, it was... I was and, like, uh, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Definitely get in trouble Yeah. How, how long do you guys like give a beer a chance in a market? Like, do you spend a while collecting this data, or you kind of like give it a week? After a week, it's done. It's off the menu. No, I mean, all of our beer we sell through. Uh, yeah. Very rarely do we ever have to pull a beer because it's not selling. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say the average sell through on our beer is for an IPA was probably one to three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, Shit. So y'all have no problem with that. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll be like, you're not going to like that. I'm taking it. Um, and then, you know, some of our other beers uh, that, especially like our stouts, you know, they have a much better shelf life anyways. So some of those we may have on the wall for two to three months. Um, but yeah, typically any of our hot four beers and, you know, what I would consider more of our uh, you know, volume kind of based beers. What people are really, we're, we're pretty sure people are going to want to drink. It's, it's typically about one to three weeks that yeah. we have them on the wall. But yeah, when we kind of when we start designing the recipe, you know, we go into it knowing that the smallest batch that we can make is five barrels. So, um, you know, we're yielding roughly ten kegs, and uh, we really need to sell through that. You know, it's not something where we can try it, and if it, you know, if it doesn't work out we'll typically pull it before we even put it on the tap wall. If it's something that we're not wow, happy really? with, we're not going to we're not gonna sell something that we're not 100% yeah. behind. So uh, once it hits the wall, we'll sell through it. 
after after you sold through it, um, how do you go through the decision of making it like a seasonal or putting it on there permanently? Is it just the team effort, or you just kind of see how it's doing? I think some of it's the a lot of it's the the feedback that we get from the consumer. You know, we're really fortunate being um, direct to consumer group hub. We can remain a lot more nimble than you know a packaging brewery that's relying on right. putting stuff on shelves. Right. Uh, your feedback loop is a lot longer. You know, we can talk to people immediately over the bar and kind of gauge the excitement levels on beers. We'll probably do this year. You know, 150 new recipes between the three locations. So most of what we're brewing are, you know, kind of one-off, one-and-done beers. And then our staples at this point, we're we've kind of found, you know, the groups that we think work. You know, we have our electric jellyfish, which is at all. We have a couple IPAs that we added last year: Green Battles and Bailing Room. That they're not on 100% of the time, but they're on very consistently. Uh, Training Binds is another IPA that we have very consistently at all three pubs. And then past that, you know, we have a Pilsner, uh, we have a Lager, uh, we have an Amber, and we have a Stout. So we kind of have those holes filled in. So most of what we design at this point is is uh, one-off beers, something that, you know, trying new stuff, gauging the customer yeah, interest. and A lot of experimenting. Yeah, and a lot of times those new beers will help influence the evolution of some of our standard beers. You know, we're always That's tweaking, cool. always, you know, bringing beers along with us. You know, we don't want a beer that we designed six years ago to taste like when we brewed it six years ago. People's yeah. palates change. Sure, absolutely. So we're always trying to stay relevant with those recipes. We jumped right into the beer, um, but tell us a little about, about yourself. Did you, were you always in this business or what did you kind of do before Pint House? So I got my start uh, at Odell Brewing Company in Fort Collins, Colorado. Nice. I, I got into home brewing um, through a professor in college as a philosophy major. And I was honestly really not into beer in college. I didn't really care for it, uh, mainly because my introduction to beer was really terrible. You know, whatever <laughs> the cheapest yeah, whatever the cheapest beer was at some party. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was really not into beer. And um, a professor got me into it actually... Not necessarily through the kind of taste and, and um, the taste of beer, the flavors of beer, but through kind of the cultural uh, and the historical significance of beer. And I got just really interested in like how beer became, how different beer styles came about, and how you know beer really helped shape a lot of things that we don't really think about like historically. And uh, and then as I as that happened, I started digging into the styles and started finding that I really enjoyed IPAs and pale ales and kind of dove into those and started homebrewing and um, and worked for a homebrew shop for a year uh, in between my undergraduate and graduate degree and kind of just went all in, really fell in love with homebrewing. It was just one of those things that it made sense to me. Like I grew up, I was like, I wanted to play an instrument. I wanted to be an artist and I just could never, never felt like I could express myself through that. And then brewing made sense like I felt like I understood the ingredients I understood how they interacted with each other and so it was just really fun and um, and I went off to grad school at Fort Collins which is one of the best places to go if you're really into beer and you're young and drinking a lot of beer and uh, decided brewing was gonna be more exciting than academia and um, started volunteering at Odell Brewing Company got hired on there 
I took a short course in brewing science and um, kind of got my level of professional brewing to a, a little higher level and then uh, worked my way up there, became the head brewer. And um, while I was there, we went from 30,000 to 60,000 barrels of production. And so saw a lot of growth and I kind of came in at a really unique time. It was right when the industry was, it had been very flat for a number of years. There was not a lot of craft brewers when I got into the industry, there was about 1,300. And by the time I left Odell, there was about 1,700. And um, the industry was just at the on the cusp of like kind of blowing up. And um, right at that time, or you know, just before I left, I had met uh, some guys who were working on Pine House Pizza here in Austin, Texas. And I had always wanted to be in more of a pub setting with a little more direct to customer interaction. I really enjoy that part about you know what we built here. And uh, came down, checked out Austin. Austin at the time was. Um, I don't. I think only had like 13 breweries, oh, yes, I and saw, yeah. uh, so we felt like there was a great opportunity to kind of come in, make our name with uh, IPA specifically was what I was interested in brewing. Um, so we kind of came down here, kind of carved out our niche, and um, have just grown since then. Um, so was it always? Kind of an idea to incorporate the, the food menu, like a, a restaurant type feel, or when did you guys decide to, you know, tap into that? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the initial concept was always uh, brew pub focused. It was you know, very much inspired by Pizza Port out in San Diego. A couple of the owners went to college out there, lived out there, yeah. and um, one of them moved here for work. And when he got here, uh, him and his wife had uh, were, were having a kid. And they were like, I can't believe something like a pizza port, you know, doesn't exist where it's a family friendly, um, you know, pizza place that has amazing beer, that's approachable to you know, all types of people. And so um, that kind of spurred the whole development. Uh, they started talking about concepts and, you know, pizza is obviously a great pairing with beer, which is, which is perfect. There wasn't really anything like this in Austin at the time. And... Um, and we felt like, uh, you know, we found this neighborhood and felt like this was kind of a perfect spot to, to put the location. And so, yeah, from day one, it's always been designed to be a family-friendly, uh, you know, pizza and beer place. We don't, we don't take anything too seriously. We're not trying to make, like, you know, really fancy high-end gastro pizza. We're trying to make really good, high-quality you know, well-made pizza that's a pro that you know anybody can enjoy, so that an eight-year-old can enjoy it just as much as a thirty-year-old, just as much as a fifty-year-old. Yeah. You know, and um, and then same with our beer. You know, we've never tried to brew really esoteric styles. We've always tried to brew stuff that's very high quality, um, you know, very innovative, but something that people can come and drink multiple of. You know, I've Doug O'Dell always taught me you don't make money selling people four ounces at a time. So we want people to be able to drink a few of our pints or take beer home and, you know, you have to be able to sell them more than one to, to keep to the keep doors open. Yeah. Y'all make a damn good cheese pizza, I can tell you that. <laughs> and we've been here oh my God. for birthdays, celebrations, oh, yeah. I mean, there's kids Live here. moments, yeah. yeah, we've always come here. And now I'm south, so that's like my go-to is the one on the bar, but yeah. And this is where you would just always come, so yeah. it's good. I like it's it. It's always nice. I mean, I've, 
when I worked south, I went to the south one for lunch, and it's the same vibe as it is on like a Friday night. It's just pretty chill. You can hang out as long as you want. There's kids running around, but it's not like this is a kid's place, you know? Yeah. It's, but kids are welcome. It's not like showbiz pizza in here. Yeah. Well, you know, um, coming from Colorado and, you know, a couple of guys coming from uh, California, the craft beer scene for us at the time, you know, in the in 2008 to 2012, both of those were, were pretty advanced uh, compared to you know where Texas was at the time, and the brewery was really the social spot. You know, like I being in in Odell, you everybody would bring their families in after work and um, you know bring their dogs, bring their kids, and it was just it was the meeting spot. And you know, I've always thought for for beer and for craft beer in particular to you know become part of the fabric of society you have to be all inclusive you know you can't just appeal to the beer geek or you know that curmudgeon that just wants to drink beer by themselves but the great thing is you can still come here and do that you, you know you don't have to talk to anybody but um but yeah you know it's like uh it goes back to the old kind of public house atmosphere where you want to come in, hopefully, maybe meet someone new, talk about what you're you're drinking, and you know, not have it be this uh, experience that that feels alienating to some people. Yeah, I agree with that. It's long community tables; everybody sits together. It's interesting during uh, trivia night because you're like, don't don't fucking listen over here to our answers. <laughs> Stay over there on your team. Ma'am, we experienced that last week, so I almost got kicked out. I think. I like, Find your almost. business over there. Shush it, almost. Because we had this interview, couldn't get kicked out. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Don't make me call Joe. Don't make me call Joe. I'll get you back in. <laughs> so, um, do you guys make the beer to pair with the pizza, or is it like, do you have your favorite pizza, pizza and beer pair, or? No, we they're kind of just like a separate. Yeah, they just altogether. they're kind of you know we, we we do run the business kind of separate in that sense. Um, I'm in charge of all the brewing operations. One of my partners, Kyle uh, Dietrich, is in charge of all the operations on the restaurant, and then um, Ned Lavelle, who's another partner, he he deals with the culinary side, so he does a lot of our food development. Um, so him and I will you know if we have a special beer, he might work on a special pizza for it. Um, we do some fun stuff like that occasionally throughout the year. Um, one example that was really fun that we did uh, was we did a, a beer. We do a beer here every fall called Swelsenor. It's a Canadian lager. We do it for the start of hockey oh, yeah. season. A um, couple of years early on, we did a poutine pizza to pair with it, which was awesome. Uh, you know, the tough thing is you can only eat about a piece of it, so. <laughs> um, wasn't something that really caught on, but it was fun, you know. It's something that was it was playful, and we had a lot of fun with it. But we've done some somewhere recently as well. We did a, a lobster roll pizza uh, with a beer that was a Catalina inspired lager. So we've done some fun stuff like that. But generally, you know, beer and pizza just tend to pair well together. So we're not trying to make something that's like specifically pairing with with one pizza or the right. other. Uh, we don't really offer suggestions, you know. I, you know, some places will offer like, "Oh, this this beer works with this pizza." I know some of our staff have their preferences, and we'll tell people, but we try not to lead people too much on it because um, I think both should be enjoyed independent of each other. Yeah. yeah. Who comes up with the naming? 
on the on the beer. It's you know a lot of a lot of our naming is uh, when we're hanging out, uh, drinking, and it's a lot of notes on your iPhone like to try to remember those names, Thanks. and then we'll so all of us seem to have like a big bank on our phone where we have a new beer coming out, and we'll start texting each other like name ideas. Um, it generally comes down to myself or Jacob, who's my He's our uh, kind of regional head brewer, helps me oversee all three pubs. Um, we'll kind of make the final call, like, as far as approving it, make sure it's PC and we're not offending anybody. And, you know, we're, uh, we're thinking through it completely. But, um, but, yeah, it's usually just someone's got a funny name and it sticks. Some of our more, uh, like our bigger beers where they're going into market, not just our one-offs, um, we'll go through a little bit more of a uh, traditional naming um, kind of convention where we try to make sure it fits with our brand and you know it falls in line so that way if it's in market it feels more in line with pine house rather than i mean if you look at our board now you got snap crackle hop which is (laughs) you know it's a great it's a great name uh probably not a beer that we would ever can underneath that name because it wouldn't really fit into our our brand but uh, is the pilsner named after you yeah and there's a kind of a funny story behind that because um I think we were calling. It started with a collaboration that myself and Tim Schwartz, who's the director of brewing at Real Ale, yeah. we did a we did a beer called Joe and Tim's Most Excellent Pills, <laughs> and this was like three years ago, and so we started playing around. We had never done a pills here consistently, and I got kind of inspired by that beer, and so we started playing around with a beer in house, and we brewed some iterations, and while all the guys were actually gone at GABF, I stayed back that year. And I brewed a Pilsner down at our Lamar location. And uh, when Jacob got back, he kind of like snarking, snark, snarkily, snarkily, is that a word? Sure. Uh, On this podcast, yeah. yes, it is. Called it uh, Joe's Magical Pills for whatever reason. And it just, all of a sudden it ended up on the board. And then I think he was kind of mad because he's like, where's my prop? Yeah. But I think, you know, it started as just kind of a joke and then it stuck. And now, yeah, three years later, it's still here. There you go. It is a good pilsner. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, so, it's unique. It's definitely our take on a pilsner. It's very hoppy, yeah, American yeah. hops, but it's kind of, it's again kind of found a niche for us that that it fits into. Yeah, I agree. It's magical. It's <laughs> magical. Um, you guys not only sell your own beers, but you have a bunch of guest beers. How's your relationship with the local brewers? Um, from everyone we talk to, everybody's been so nice. Yeah. And Everybody kind of knows each other in some way or another. How's that been? The look, I mean, the, the craft beer community is super tight knit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you you tend to kind of get into your, your little cliques, the people that you're closest to. But I would say as a whole, the industry is extremely supportive. You know, you can reach out to just about anybody and ask for help or advice, and they'll they'll yeah. pretty much answer you. That's cool. Um, you know, just for example, Kevin from Front Yard Brewing. Uh, he was delivering kegs to us this morning because we we have their coffee milk stout on, and he's like, "Hey, so we need to we need some two row malt for a, a beer that we hit, we had to brew earlier than we thought. Do you guys have any?" I'm like, "Absolutely, you know." So they're like delivering kegs, picking up malt from us. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very collaborative industry. You know, the the term that gets thrown around in this industry a lot is you know the rising tide floats all boats, and um, I think that's very true in that's this. You know, good, we're yeah. We're, we are, craft is, you know, much smaller than, than a lot of the macro brewers, and I definitely don't consider us, us against them, 
but we are kind of playing in a different realm and we're we're kind of we're not really competing against each other but we're just trying to get more people to experience what we're trying to do you know and craft will you know craft will never be you know the as big as is the macro scene but in the world of beer i think if we can stay together and carve out our our little corner of the world we're going to be a lot more successful long term yeah there's room for everybody um if you had to choose do you have any like local favorites well i mean some of our best friends we were really good friends with austin beer works they were extremely helpful with us getting open um when we were trying to build out they had been open for uh i don't think right around a year maybe so they were they were storing hops for us before we had our hop cooler because like we were delayed in construction. Oh yeah, and, everybody's been delayed. You know, they were, Permits. You know, so they're definitely you know our, I would say our closest friends in in the in the Austin community. But you know we got we're good friends with Josh at Hops and Grain and Brian at St. Elmo and uh, yep. you know Swifty and Amos at ABGV and the, you know, Redhorn people. I mean I, I think everybody we got a pretty solid relationship with and um, some we have longer relationships with just because we've known them longer. But yeah, it's a it's a great community. We're we're working with ABGB on a beer for the this year's Texas Craft Brewers Partners in Craft. Oh yeah. So we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a little lager with them, which will be really fun. Um, that's cool. That is cool. Do you have any advice for people who want to get in this industry? Not really as big as you guys are with food, with pizza and beer, but just small taps. I don't know. Don't do it. (laughs) Well, you know, it's tough. When I, it's, I I don't even know if I would have good advice anymore. When I got in the industry, it was so different. It was, it was really small, and the barriers to entry were different. They were, it wasn't that um, there was a lot of competition. Now, when I was getting in, there wasn't really any jobs. There was, there was very few breweries and. The industry was pretty flat, so no one was hiring, and so it was really tough to get a brewing job. And um, since craft beer is flat, it was really tough to justify going out and trying to start a brewery because who's going to buy your beer? Yeah. You know, no one was really interested. Um, you know, right now the industry is, I would say, soft. It's not flat. You know, there's still some growth, and I think there's a lot of growth for small brewers. I guess my advice would be, um, if you, you know, if you're really interested and passionate about it, I think it's a great industry to get into. But I would be very realistic about your yeah. business plan and your goals because um, there isn't the the growth that there probably was ten years ago or five years ago yeah. as as easily. So I think you need to be very smart about how you're gonna um, how you're gonna grow, how you're gonna pay back your loans or your investors or or yourself. Um, you know, and make sure that you treat it like a business. I mean, I think you know it's a passion for all of us, but at the end of the day. You know, we have to pay our bills, and we have to pay our employees, and we have to pay our vendors, and um, you need to understand the the business side of brewing, and that's something that, you know, I think the same can be said for a lot of chefs. People love cooking at home, but just because you love cooking at home doesn't mean you're going to love cooking in the commercial world. It's a totally different world, and so I think if you're interested, see if you can go work with a brewery and get a, get a good sense of what we really do on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I just do podcasts and hang out and drink, so it's pretty fun, but... Uh, but yeah, a lot I don't of people. Have a day job. I don't have a nine to five. I just fucking do this all day. But a lot of people, you know, they think it's just making beer and, and um, drinking beer. And uh, <laughs> you know, even it's. 
I mean, even before we grew and it was just myself and Jacob brewing at this pub, brewing was still probably less than 15 or 20 percent of what we did. It was all the other stuff to make sure stuff is is working, you know. It's fixing stuff on a constant basis, cleaning, um, talking to guests, and there's just a lot. Yeah, there's a lot more than just brewing, so um, yeah, I think it's just be very very honest with yourself and what your goals are and with your with your business plan. I can remember Brian at St. Elmo saying, it's not a nine to five. You're going to be here 24 you're hours a day. You're going to make sacrifices. Your family has to entertain. You're going to make sacrifices. Um, your friends. Your friends. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, when we first opened, I, I mean, I was probably here. I was here from six in the morning to eight or nine at night every day of the week for the first year and a half two years it's there's just especially when you're trying to get established you know it's so much of it's a hospitality industry and I think a lot of people forget that too you know you have to give people a reason why they want to come in and drink your beer in particular you know they want the story behind it they don't there's a lot of great beer out there and there's a lot of like we're getting to this point where the differences between beer is is shrinking because there's so many good brewers that you need to give people a reason to latch on to your story and your beer and why they want to drink yours versus you know someone else's and and be able to kind of carve out that little spot in the world for yourself and that's I think that's why going back to that being asked with yourself with starting the brewery you know your growth is going to be a little more long term I mean we're growing pretty quickly now but if you look at us historically we're going into our seventh year or we're going to be finishing up our seventh year and um, really in the first for those years, we went from 600 barrels to 2,000 barrels. You know, we really didn't grow a lot, and then it's been kind of exponential in the last, what's gonna be the last three. Um, so it's, you know, we've, we've kind of put in a lot of that time building up for this growth. It's, it's not like we opened up and overnight we started doing in max capacity, you know, so it's- Well, we've been here since day one. That's awesome, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, we have been yeah, here since day A lot of our regulars, you know, a lot of people yeah. have been coming here since day one, and I mean, we're really proud of that, that we've been able to keep that, that customer base. Trying to get that high score over there on the <laughs> video game. I mean, and you guys have pizza. It's like, these guys know pizza is yeah. life, you know. I love beer, but I, eat, I even love bad pizza. So <laughs> I have no standards when it comes to pizza. This is pretty up there, but... I mean, I went to college. I had plenty of frozen pizza. <laughs> and it was delicious. Right? It was delicious, yeah. <laughs> it's pizza. I mean, you can have it at 10 in the morning. You can have it at 2 a.m. I mean, you can have it. Throw anything on it. Yeah. And you guys have beer. <laughs> We ask everyone usually, um, especially the brewers, do you remember your first homebrew? Oh, yeah, I remember our first homebrew uh, very vividly. Um, so as a, as a buddy of mine and I went and we picked up, uh, went to the homebrew shop. I think probably this is a very similar story to a lot of people who started homebrewing. Um, I guess this has probably been, for me, 12 or so, 12 or 13 years ago, and went to the homebrew shop bought a kit, you know, by the box that says extra pale ale, it's got your hops, which are not refrigerated, it's got the, you know, the, yeah, the malt extract, and um, we bought, like, the carboy, and we bought a big kettle, and we did an extract batch, and we brewed it, it was, like, it was pretty good, you know, it wasn't bad, and uh, I started brewing in Minnesota, and the nice thing there is basements stay cool year-round, 
and so we went and fermented in the basement. It was probably like 63 degrees, you know, so like fermentation was actually pretty good. And then uh, um, we, I think, pretty much immediately went back and bought a second kit. I think we bought a, um, like a Scottish uh, 60 shilling or something like that. And because um, he was really into the multi beers, and so we did that. And then I was like, I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm gonna go buy like all the equipment and stuff. And I actually went in to go buy my third kit, and they were hiring at the homebrew shop. And I was working for a beer distributor. I knew I was going to grad school, so I didn't really need like the career job. And I was like, can I apply for this? And they're like, well, when can you start? I didn't even have to like fill out a resume or, or fill out an application. <laughs> I think I started like two days later and. I think I brewed like 150 batches in like the time from then to when I left for Colorado. Nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Started all grain brewing right away. And, uh, but yeah, the first batch, it was just extra parallel, extract kit. I think it turned out pretty good from what I remember. <laughs> we bottled it. I'm sure it was terrible, but we drank it all. So we were pretty proud of it. So it definitely yeah. started out as like a hobby. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize like, man, I should really get into this like serious? I think I... I started thinking about it more when I got to Fort Collins and was, because the other thing is when I was living in the Twin Cities, at the time, there really wasn't any brewery that you could go to and visit, Um, but Surly was getting started and Omar was coming in the homebrew shop all the time, buying like little parts, random, because we always had these like really random fittings that you like couldn't get anywhere. Because um, all homebrew shops at the time were just like repurposed parts from other stuff, you know? It was like looking at the McMaster car catalog and just having all those parts in stock, you know? Yeah. And so he would come in and buy all this random stuff. And so I kind of got to see, you know, him building this brewery, which was really cool. But that is cool. I never got to see like um, a, a brewery, you know? Like I went to Summit, but they were like big at the time, you know? And so that always felt like, I'm like, well, I can never do that. Like, that's crazy. So I think getting to Colorado was uh, was really eye-opening because I got to go into these breweries that were, um, well, they're brew pubs, and then there are these smaller, you know, um, breweries that were making a thousand barrels, and I'm like, this is, like, kind of realistic, you know? Doable. And, um, and so I think while I was there, it was kind of a, um, I think this could be more fun than academia, and I started writing about craft beer a lot, the culture of craft beer and the marketing side and started thinking about like a business plan for a brew pub yeah. and, um, and got introduced to the Odell's and I was going there any every day anyways drinking and uh, one of the brewers was like oh you can come in and brew with me and so I kind of got to come in and shadow yeah, him nice. and yeah it just awesome. you know it was just fortuitous it and, was it was meant to I think you were meant to do this and like, uh, yeah and then I was like well this seems I had some friends that were applying to PhD and I'm like yeah this seems way more fun than dealing with that so yeah no dissertation yeah and you said philosophy too uh yeah my that was so my you're undergraduate a you're like maybe you... yeah <laughs> I don't know if I say that awesome so um you guys just opened the Round Rock location do you have any plans for any more maybe kind of farther outside Austin or we did um we just secured a space uh down on 290 and 35 is the old Dance Across Texas uh, location. Nice. Yeah. yeah, the family was uh, retiring. She was retiring. And um, so we were able to buy the building, which is awesome. So currently, we are, uh, we're going to be going into permitting with the city in the next week or so. Hell yeah. And uh, nice. we should Congrats. be under construction this fall. Thank you. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, so we should be under construction in the, starting this fall, hopefully open up in the spring. It's going to be a little more, a little more true taproom focused. Uh, right now, the plan food-wise is to, to not have pizza, which will be kind of weird. But the, the idea is to take some of the pressure off of Lamar, make it more of um, like the brewery destination so we can do, like when we do can releases, we'll do the can releases there. You know, one of the things that we struggle with in the pub setting is we do a can release on a Saturday and we get, you know, 100 people show up and it bogs down the, the oh, yeah. location. And then it's like all the people who just come in here Saturday to eat with their family or something, now they're kind of inconvenienced. And so I feel bad for them. And, you know, we're trying to figure out a way to kind of help the pubs yeah, continue to run sense. and do their thing and, and then provide that outlet for the people who are looking for that more true beer experience. Thanks. So I think we're we're still gonna have um, a menu there. It'll be probably shareable food. Um, so is it gonna be called Pint House Pizza? Uh, I think it'll probably be just Pint House. Um, we're kind of working through that. We've already, you know, if you look at our tap panels in market, everything is just Pint House. Yeah. yeah. So we've kind of we leave Pint House. We leave the pizza off. Anything that we're doing um, on the in, outside of the the locations, yeah. like just to kind of. Stuff hopefully mitigate some of the confusion that people can have but um people who want their pizza yeah yeah but yeah it's you know it's one of those challenges we've talked to the pizza port people before too because they have the same thing right they're called pizza port so yeah. there's nothing to do with brewing in it at all and they're a great brewery they make sixty thousand barrels a year between their locations and and there's pizza port, you know. <laughs> so we've we've kind of joked with them too. It's you know it's one of those challenges when you, you know, we, we're a pizza place. Yeah. We're you know, 50 50. We're not we're not one or the yeah. other. And so how do we kind of manage that as we grow both directions? Sure. Um, I do have to ask who. Where does the name Electric Jellyfish come from? Oh, like everybody so knew today I was coming here. I want to like, know where you think it came from. A drunken night on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about myself, everybody. We're talking about Joe. You know, so where that came from is uh, I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. One of my favorite directors. And we're a nautical-themed brewer, you know, brew pub. Yeah. Um, we've done a lot of beers that are referencing Life Aquatic. Oh, love that. So our original flagship IPA is at our Burnet location here called Manowar. And there's a line in Life Aquatic where they're standing out on the beach. And he said, he said something, there's all these, like, electric jellyfish washed up on shore. He's like, I've never seen so many electric jellyfish. And she's like, uh, I think it's Eleanor's is who's like, those aren't electric jellyfish, those are Manowar. And so when we were designing the beer for our second location, we thought it'd be really playful to have them linked name-wise. Right. Um, and then it just stuck. Yeah. So it's all That's a really Wes Anderson cool. reference. Yes, love the theme <laughs> as well. Um, if you haven't been to the Burnett location, just describe it for you a little bit. It's very nautical. Um, where did that come from? Where did like the theme and the marketing and cause that's that's very important, you know, labels. People look for labels and when they're shopping for food as well. I think you know going to the websites and looking at the menus. It all kind of ties in. How do you? Where did that come from? The nautical theme was something that uh, while we were developing the brand, we wanted something to basically tie an aesthetic around and. 
the idea was um, Nautical's really cool because it, you know, like the textures, uh, the colors, a lot of stuff is just really appealing. Yeah. And um, a couple of the guys grew up uh, spending time around the ocean. And so it just felt like kind of a natural connection. And, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it was it's really fun stuff to brand around. And, um, you know, you don't think about it when you're first starting something. You're like, I need a theme. Yeah. Because it sounds like, well, then you're going to turn into like a red lobster and you're going to have like fishing nets or something. (laughs) But, you know, like to come up with your color palette and to come up with even, you know, something as simple as like the floors you choose and like Mm -hmm. the textures of the the wood and the brick. And um, it really helped us define our space by kind of having it rooted in that. um, We kind of saw it as like that that, uh, kind of pure, you know, the dock aesthetic, you know, where it's stuff's kind of... um, so it's like craftsman stands the test of time has a little bit of that worn look to yeah. it you know Very cool. um, so yeah it, it kind of just allowed us to center our brand around that and then it's great for naming mm-hmm. you know it's really fun to kind of create that um, yeah um so we talked a little bit before the interview about um the beer releases you have coming up what's next for fight house so i'm not sure when this is going to air but uh, this Saturday, uh, July 20th, we're releasing our kind of cult favorite Island Kitty IPA, which is inspired by the Painkiller cocktail, which is a Virgin Island drink. Um, it's going to be released at all locations, but uh, for maximum effect, go to our Lamar location. We're going to be serving it frozen. With uh, You'll be getting it in like a nice, cool plastic margarita glass with uh you'll get the dusting of nutmeg on the top so it's true painkiller um so we got that going on saturday at lamar and then you'll be able to get it at all uh three locations while it's available um as well on just draft not frozen not as exciting but delicious beer uh and it'll be available in crawlers for a limited quantity in crawlers and then uh the following weekend we have our next can release which is called dune boogie and it's a hazy IPA that um, kind of inspired by all the stuff that we've learned with some of our collaborations over the last uh, few months and traveling, trying beers that we're really excited about. And uh, so we came back, brewed a beer that's, I think, very Pine House and kind of also very uh, innovative, like kind of the next evolution of some of the stuff we've been working on. Uh, features Strata, Sabro, Cashmere Hops, uh, very fruity, tropical. We were drinking it yesterday, kind of looking on tasting notes, and um, just lots of like Maui Gold pineapple. Nice. Uh, nice really, beer. Yeah, really cool beer. Good. So I have cans available, again, at all three locations. Very limited at Round Rock and Lamar. The main release will be at Burnett Road. Okay. Um, uh, $20 four-pack uh, will be limited, one case. Um, and then after that, uh, I don't think we have another can release till August, so... Check our social media to kind of follow up on that. Yes, we'll, of course, add links for that. Um, well, it's so nice talking to you. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. I'm glad you came out. Yeah, we are too. Thanks, Thank Joe. You. We appreciate it. Another great interview with Joe over at Pie House Pizza. Thank you, thank you, thank you again, again. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find us on social media, Blank Over Booze, Instagram, Facebook, Twitters, um, also 
blinkoverbooze.com. You'll find more information about the show, about us, old episodes from previous seasons, all that good stuff. Um, Stay tuned. We have another episode coming out shortly. Thanks again for the support, y'all.